It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam. Hopefully, this is picking up nicely. I'm using my lavalier mic today because I left up basically both my DVD player for my laptop and my microphone for my laptop operate on uh, USB-A, which is, uh, if you ever had an old Blackberry back in the day, it's like, you know how it's the micro USB? It's like the size above that. That's like kind of trapezoid shape, but there's like a little indentation in the middle of it. Yeah. So it, it's that kind of wire. I use it for both my microphone and my my external Blu-ray player. It operates on the same thing. I was using the external Blu-ray player yesterday and I forgot to repack the wire into my bag. So here we are. The lavalier mic hopefully this is picking up and it's coming out and it's coming out nice. Um, so I'm holding, I'm not, I didn't like attach to my shirt or anything because it's like I'm not doing anything strenuous that requires that level of stuff. I also need to get an adapter for my phone too so I can use my phone as a digital recorder. So Quick thing I'm going to start out with. I'm thinking about the format of the show. I'm thinking about what we do here and, you know, all of that. I've gotten a few questions, so we're going to do those later today. But I'm thinking that the three episodes a week is not the best. It's one of those things I started doing because I thought it would help with uh, search engine optimization. But if if it's pulling the same number of listeners for each episode and it's just all in one. So I think that like the, the issue with that is that putting up three episodes in a week for someone who is new to the show where someone doesn't have a ton of time, it's going to, it's probably not the best way to do it. Cause I subscribe to a lot of podcasts and I don't think that any other podcast that does this, I think I'm alone in this. And I think that's probably for a good reason because I don't think that, you know, people have the time or the patience to, you know, really go into all of that on a regular basis. So what I'm going to do instead is just one episode a week, the way we used to. Every, let's say, Thursday night, a new episode. I know going up against some, I mean, well, the episode goes up on Thursday morning, really. So we will, uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll start that out next week with a movie, a TV, and a in an editorial, and then if I get questions, I will answer questions. If you want to ask a question, you 
uh, answered on the air. You can go to, uh, you can email in directly, um, 30minutereviews at gmail.com. Again, that's 30minutereviews at gmail.com. Yeah, 30minutereviews at gmail.com. Now, that's the number one, the easiest way to get your question in. The second easiest way is if you go to bitbit.ly slash BOS contact, you can fill out the form on there. And that will also do the same thing. It'll go directly to the email for the uh, for the podcast. So I'll be able to see them all, and we'll be able to you know, figure it out there. So today's topic conversation. Let's do the let's get the questions done first. The first question I got it. I'm not going to put out email address, and if you don't include your name, then you're not going to get your name right out. First email comes from someone named Mark, and the question is, how do you feel about the introduction of Ryan Wilder? as Batwoman on CW. Uh, I think I've, I have nothing against a black Batwoman. I have nothing against Jav- Javika Leslie, I think her name is, uh, Javika Leslie, well, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I have nothing against her playing Batwoman. I have nothing against a black Batwoman. I have a problem with the kind of transparent move by the, uh, what's it called, by the, the showrunner to create a new character because then she gets to get the licensing fee should this character ever cross over with The Flash or with Arrow, uh, well, Arrow is not anymore, but The Flash or Legends or, you know, if Painkiller gets picked up and she crosses over with Painkiller, then that or Naomi or Stargirl or... You know, any number of... It's, it's really weird that it's not Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Black Light. Like, it, it's so weird that these things have... Like, so many other shows have now ended that it's going to be weird going forward. I would have... Ra- what they could have done that would have been, I think, equally interesting and would have been... Uh, and you could have still cast Javika Leslie to play the role. They could have done Carrie Kelly, and I feel like that would have been a better use. I also don't like what how they treated Kate Kane in the most recent season, turning her into functionally Red Hood. And I just watched um, the Flash episode of Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I'm doing kind of, I want to do a ranking by the end of next season of The Flash, which I'm assuming, I'm thinking season eight is going to be the last season of The Flash. I I, I think it's one of those shows where it's like the CW is going to keep it going for as long as they want, the people involved want to. Uh, next season is gonna be the first real test to see how that goes going on, uh, going beyond that. And we're gonna we're gonna really see a uh, we're gonna see if there's a shift or not because we won't have Wells, we won't have Cisco. We know the only returning cast members who weren't you know the newer members who have signed off for multiple seasons who have returned are you know Grant's back obviously, Candace Patton's back, which would be weird if she wasn't, and then who's the third one? Daniel Panabaker's back by just having a baby, which is why there's that weird disconnect where it's like she's going to leave and then doesn't because COVID happened and she had the baby and she didn't go on maternity leave, but then COVID happened, so she didn't have to go on maternity leave, so they just kind of dropped that completely between season six and seven. I think that, like, when you watch Crisis now, I think Crisis is a huge missed opportunity on on a plethora of levels, namely that I don't think that, like, I think that when they were doing Crisis, I think they had bigger plans going forward and i don't think that kate kane or i'm sorry ruby rose weaving was in the cards at that point because they put a a ton of focus on kate kane and her relationship with kara and and her role going forward in the universe and it's just kind of weird that like that happened and it's like okay we're done now i think it's disappointing that supergirl is now ending and black lightning has ended and black lightning has a seat at the table and we never got to see a you know this feels like 
everything's kind of wrapping up before we really get to see anything really cool happen. So, like, we're not going to see it, the Dusty face off against Dark Side, which I didn't think was going to happen anyway, because I tried to do that on Smallville, and it was not good. I am surprised that Green Arrow and the Canaries didn't get picked up. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't get picked up by HBO Max, because that'd be a big boost, I think, would be to, to bring that to HBO Max. There's got to be some contractual thing about why they can't, but I can't quite... I'm not privy to that information. But yeah, I, I think that creating a new character was a mistake. I think that using an existing character would have been a better move. This was not the... In a bad situation where people already... There already was a vocal contingent of people who um, were against the very existence of the show Batwoman because it focused on a lesbian female. I think that going out of your way to then go, okay, now we're going to cast the first color in the role. That's fine. But I think that like what you had to do was like there is this small contingent of, I don't want to call them fans, that kind of legitimizes them, but there's this small contingent that's like, well, that's not that's not this person. That's not who this person is. That's not what they look like. And it's like, we don't want anyone to get this chance to tell stories. It's really what it comes down to. It's like, we don't, like, they can say, oh, it's not race. It's not race. It's not race. But it's like, well, it, it kind of is race. And, and look to the response to, what's it called? To uh, uh, Mass, Mass Universe Revelation, which is the second question, actually. And what to wrap this up. I think creating the new character was a bad idea. I think they should have race bent an existing character and, and called it a day if they were... If they were so gung-ho on Javika Leslie, and it's like, that's the thing, too, is I don't know how this came about. Did they start casting for the new Batwoman, and then she came in as like, okay, we're going to create a new character for her? Was the idea, like, how far into it did they decide that they were not going to recast Kate Kane? Because they, they did eventually recast Kate Kane and turn her into Red Hood, which is bizarre on its own end. But I feel like this whole thing's kind of, like, the whole situation was very poorly handled the entire way through. And any opportunity they had to make a bad decision going into it, they did. Not the casting. Obviously, I think the casting is fine. But I think that, it, like, they they didn't quite nail what it is. And I think part of the problem with, for me at least, with the first season of Batman, part of why I'm still kind of trying to catch up, is that it kind of has that first season of Arrow vibe and, like, really all of Arrow vibe where the colors are very muted and very washed out. And it's like, I, I don't, I, I, that doesn't always vibe with me. I, that doesn't always like, you know, fit in with what I, what I, what I think, you know, you should be going for in a comic book movie and it's a, or a TV show. And it's like, that's the thing too. In a world where Supergirl exists and where, you know, the Flash exists and where even like the darker and grittier, um, though still grounded Black Lightning exists, these shows still have that weird filter to them where it's like, it's just, not unwatchable it's just kind of like you sit there and watch it like <sighs> the whole way through so question two is what do you think about the masters of the universe revolution situation um i did cover this briefly on beware of spoilers because i didn't think that the masters of the universe revelation situation i think the whole thing's blown out of proportion because really if you watch the show it's like i don't want to spoil it here because it just came out like a week ago no it was a week ago it came out last friday so like because the show kind of like I, I think that like to address the controversy and not address a spoiler would be weird so if you don't want to know the spoiler uh i'm gonna say it now um and then come back after you watch it but at this point 
if you're concerned about spoilers, it's only two and a half hours to get through the entire thing. Because, well, even less actually, because it's it's a bunch of it's five twenty minute episodes. Really, you should be able to like that's like not even a like a full weekend. That that is that's like Infinity Train length that you're gonna be dealing with. Um, so if we watch like in the first episode, He Man makes the ultimate sacrifice and sacrifices his own life to to kill Skeletor. Um, keeping in mind, I never watched the original Masters of the Universe TV show. The extent of my knowledge of Masters of the Universe is that it exists, and this is a sequel. And the only reason I know that is because I listen to, to Kevin Smith's podcast. I, I know Skeletor is a bad guy. I know He-Man is a good guy. And this show does a good job of making you not feel like you need to have watched everything in the past. You can still jump right in. There's a nice little info dump in the beginning that's kind of, in the in the Blue Air Spoilers, I called it, um, like, uh, Dune-esque, where it's kind of like Irulan, kind of explaining everything you need to know about the world. And I think that, like, that's the cool, like, like that's what needed to be done here to, to bring everyone up to speed. And that's really all they needed to do, which I, I think is the best way to do it. And then the, the episode ends with the king discovering that his son was actually He-Man, and I, that was something that I didn't know that he didn't know. So he does he does that. Then everything kind of falls apart, and Tila goes off on her own because she has to deal with the fact that she had been lied to all this time about who Prince Adam is. And it's like we've seen this kind of story before, but not with He-Man characters, where it's like a superhero dies, and then the family finds out that you know this guy was moonlighting as a superhero. That's you know that's a very conflicting thing. For, for someone to process as part of the grieving process, where it's like, you know, this person was lying to me the entire time about who the, fundamentally who they are and what they do and, and all of that. And now we have to process that, also process the fact that they are now dead and they died doing this, so they didn't trust me to know. And it's it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a lot for someone to process. So for Tila to go, forget it, I'm done, and, and walk away makes complete sense. Now she's got to pick up the mission that He-Man left behind for her, but when he died, and, and she needs to recreate the sword and, you know, to, to keep... I forgot what it was. It was like, uh, the, they need the sword back. To, to keep something from coming back. So they go to... It's basically the same thing as that episode, uh, the, the the distant lands of... Uh, and then by the end of the episode, He-Man is resurrected. So really, it's it's like... It's one of those things where it's like... it's Tila's entire mission in this show is defined by her relationship to He-Man. It's, it's kind of like... You can't watch this show and not have it and, and not realize that it is a He-Man show the entire way through. And I think that if someone were to argue that it's not, and that they uh, they kill off He-Man to make Tila main character, I think that that's not only disingenuous, but it shows a complete lack of basic basic comprehension about what they're watching, and it, it shows a basic lack of understanding of what's going on in the plot, because that's not what the plot is of the show. To say that the plot is he-Man dies, so He-Man's not there anymore. It's it's very much about He-Man. It's just through the eyes of someone else. It's very unique, and it's very well done. It's very well animated. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's kind of like, I remember there was some backwater news site that did a review of The Rise of Skywalker, where it's like, okay, well, we can't review the movie negatively, because on a technical level, visually, like, everything about it is is great. And they can see that in there. It does well, we didn't like, like they created an, like they did it out of like a scale of 50 just to kind of like where they broke it down into such weird things, which number one is designed to make them look smarter than they are, this this moron, but also at the same time is designed to 
make it where they can give the movie a bad score and weight certain aspects of the story that they didn't agree with to have greater weight in their review to harm the score more. And that that is, you know, that's kind of like what happened. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Happens here where it's like, you know, if, if we look at this, it's like, it, it's completely incorrect to, to say that that's the case. It's like, if you were to tell a story where the focal point of the story is to bring someone, like, to look at, like, um, like, if you were to watch, like, Midnight Run and, and say, like, the movie's not about the person that De Niro's trying to bring in, it's, it, it's inaccurate. Or, like, Lone Wolf and Cub, or, like, if you look at Logan and say that, like, Logan's put on the back burner in favor of X-23, it's like, well, no, that's inaccurate because it's, you know, X-23 kind of is just a plot device. And, and to an extent, you can probably criticize National Universe Revolution for turning um, Tila into a plot device to advance He-Man and only He-Man. And I think that that would be a valid criticism of the show. Yeah, I, I think that, like, the and, and to say that Kevin Smith lied based on what he said, he didn't lie. It's one of those things where it's like, he was put into a bad situation and kind of tried to do the best he could, given the situation he was in, where it's like, I can I, I can guarantee that the, the site that originally leaked the story didn't actually know what happened. It was just a guess in the same way, you know, we got this covered guesses or any number of other sites just take, you know, wild guesses. They're right about 50% of the time, and they could say, oh, we had an insider say this, so it sounds like they have more more credibility. And, like, anyone who does this and, and does entertainment editorializing can make some educated guesses about it. And, like, I'm recutting uh, a sixth anniversary, like, Greatest Hits episode, because the, the sixth anniversary is next, a week from today, actually. And I've got, like, so much stuff that we just guessed on, and we guessed correctly, and... It's like, like, and we guess a lot of things wrong, too, over the years. Like, one of the things is there was an old episode where we talked about J.J. Abrams' comments at CinemaCon back in 2016. And, you know, he, we, we figured out that Palpatine was going to be Ray's granddaughter. We figured out, or Ray's daughter, I think we said, but he's a descendant of Ray. Um, we figured out that, um, like, Captain America was going to end up dead at the end of Part 2 of Infinity War at the time. And that we were going to end up with um, Falcon taking over as as the new Captain America. Like, when... Uh, I, I gotta find the episode, but, like, when we were talking about what was happening at... With the announcement of all the casting for um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, I said, well, if Tom Welling comes back, that wouldn't be surprising. And, you know, the, the thing is, we never claim that we have insiders. We just speculate, and we're just guessing. Which is what a lot of people do. Like, I picked, like, you know, 
when Christian Bale was going to be playing a character in, in Thor Love and Thunder, I said, well, it's got to be Gore the, um, the God Butcher, because it fits into the story from what we can tell from what's going on. And it's like, you know, it, it like it's easy to look at these things and, and kind of, you know, pick what's going to happen. But, you know, these other sites are very good at, uh, you know, just, they just say, oh, we have an inside source without elaborating further. But, like, the inside source has to be, like, the worst reporter ever for, like, Deadline or, like, you know, the best, um, like, king of Hollywood because he's got, and, and television land. So, you know. Which brings us to this week's movie we're going to be discussing. This week's movie is The New Mutants. I finally watched this movie last night. I think the thing that's, that I really want to address with this is, like, where was Fox going with this? Because this, I, I know trying to make heads or tails of the the timeline for the X-Men movies is kind of a waste for everyone involved. Myself, you know, the listener, the viewer, anyone with a, uh, a the smallest amount of, you know, intelligence. It's not worth the effort. It's just, it's just not. Because what ends up happening is we end up with this mishmash of nonsense that really ends up meaning nothing. So the bad guy in this movie, you know, who, who's keeping the new mutants all locked up. And, and I got a problem with it because it's like, you know, because like, I, I don't think that like they do a good job of like giving anyone defined character traits or anything. Like, I, I understand that like Ileana is supposed to be like, like putting on a tough facade and being just a bitch constantly because that's just who she is. But that doesn't feel right. And like by the time you get a third into a move into the move a third of the way into the movie, most of her dialogue is just racist and not subtly racist, like overtly racist, like calling uh, what's it called, calling uh, a moon star um, like Pocahontas, and you know making comments about buffalo wings, and you know, like it, it, it's like it, it's it's just it, it's kind of like hearing like a like and and and, and Danny calls out she's like. Yeah, I've been hearing that since, like, the fifth grade, like, and it kind of does feel like it's, like, a fifth grader just heard something that, that, like, their racist parents said, and, like, oh, this will be funny, I'll just, you know, go out there, like, fucking Don Rickles and rip them all out really quick and hope for the best, and it's like, well, no, it's just not, not funny or original or not good, it's like, and the thing is, too, it's like, if you had the character be a bad guy, I could understand that, but, like, to have this character then be a, the good guy... It seems kind of weird. Let's see, what else? A lot of the visual effects, somehow, despite this movie being delayed two years or three years or something, uh, the visual effects still suck a lot of the time. Like, a lot of the stuff going around magic looks really cool, but, like, there's a lot of other really shitty CGI. Like, honestly, like, I, I don't understand how that happens, where the movie's delayed this much. And, and furthermore, I don't understand how the movie was delayed this much, had this many reshoots, and still turned out the, the dumpster fire that it was. It's just, it's just not good. And then there comes the whole thing where it's like, well, where did this movie take place? Because it seems like um, had the Disney-Fox merger not gone through, they were building towards making new movies. They were building toward, obviously, they were bu- but they were building towards the Essex Corporation and Mr. Sinister being a big villain because, like, well, technically, no, they've retconned in four movies to fit into this, where it's like, I think the first time we saw it, I'm thinking chronologically, yeah, well, chronologically, I mean, in real life, real time. The first time we saw the Essex Corporation was in X-Men Apocalypse in the post-credit tag. After Wolverine breaks out, the Essex Corporation comes and takes his DNA. Then in Deadpool 2, if I remember correctly, the Essex Corporation 
also was was the one running the school that they were holding um what's his name in the uh the kid that was in hunt for wilder people or hunt for the wilder something uh, the one who was in the taiko atiti movie who was also in godzilla vs kong that kid that cable was trying to kill was being held in an essex court facility that cable and deadpool end up destroying inadvertently and fucking up Essex's plans. Then technically retconned in in between those two would be Logan because I have to watch Logan again, but I don't think it was ever said in Logan that that the Essex Corporation was the organization behind the creation of X-23 and the other mutants. Now it makes sense like, if you think about it, it makes sense where it's like, oh, okay, there's no reason why it wouldn't be them. But then comes this movie, which appears to be at the same time as the videos that X-23's adopted mother or biological mother. I don't remember. Um, the woman that was taking care of X-23, when it came to, like, when it was, her, like, that video that she left for Logan after she died or before she died. That was the point where she, like, uh, what do I'm looking for? She, um, like, they, they show flashbacks to that footage of the kids in the facility in Mexico training. We see that she, uh, Danny flashes sideways to it, and it's like, so is this happening concurrently with that? And how far in the past of Logan did that happen? And quite honestly, Logan is the best X-Men movie that they've put out. I would say it is, of movies that were created in association with Marvel, I would say it's the best. I would say it's the best movie based on a Marvel comic. I, I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. So to, to be sitting here watching this movie, I, I think the point of that is to be like, remember Logan? Like, you loved Logan, right? Like, keep Logan in mind while you're watching this movie. And it's like, well, no, because now I got other questions. Like, is this happening at the same time as Logan or just before Logan? Because we were under the impression that I would assume it's just before. Because if I remember correctly, keeping in mind I watched this movie last night and I haven't watched Logan in a few months. If I remember correctly, Logan, Taliban was working for Essex before he escaped and was working for... Well, I guess now it's Essex, but it was the Reavers in the movie. He 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 was working for them because when Donald shows up, I believe that was his name, um, the guy who was in uh, Predator, when he shows up, he seems to know Caliban. And then in this movie, it's like, well, my, my employer knows where the new mutants are being born. The, the thing is, how far, like, is are we already on the Old Man Logan timeline? Or are we not on that yet? If that's the case, this is just going to end in tragedy anyway. Because you're going to, like, all these people are going to end up dead, presumably. It's such a fucked up situation. And it's like, you know, they, they, they create this situation where it's like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And it's like, well, you know, you can't sit here and act like the continuity doesn't matter when you're the one who's trying to insert continuity into it, if that makes sense. I wouldn't recommend anyone watch this movie. It's it's just not entertaining. It, it's fitting for the X-Men franchise, which is, you know, it gets a lot of, you know, acclaim from nostalgia mostly, where like you look back on it and it's like people people love this this franchise. It's just, it's not good. It historically is not good. Like, X-Men 1 was okay. X Like, X-Men 2 is the strongest of the original. Then X-Men 3 blows. X-Men Origins Wolverine's awful. The Wolverine is passable. 
Uh, First Class, I think, is the is the strongest movie. Days of Future Past is too reliant on everything else around it to really, you know, stand out as a movie on its own. It's basically it, it's basically a professional sequel, where it's a sequel to two movies at once, but also doesn't quite fit into continuity with any of them. Apocalypse sucked. Dark Phoenix sucked. Deadpool was good. Deadpool 2 was not as good, um, but still passable as a movie. But it's like, as you go through, it's like the majority of them aren't great. And the only ones that, like, of the X-Men movies. So, like, this is, I think, the the biggest shock is that this should have been good. And the movie tries to do horror. And when it does do, like, some of the horror works, most of it doesn't. Like, the smiley face creature things that they don't really explain what they are, who they came from, or any of that. Not, those are pretty, pretty fucking, like you know, unnerving, and, and they do it very well. So I will give them that. And it's like, the issue with this movie is that it's too short. The movie's only like an hour 45, and because it's only an hour 45, you feel like you're missing something. Like, if I watch the movie, I feel like I'm not getting the entire experience of watching this movie. And it's because there's big omissions, big glaring omissions in the storytelling, where I don't know what's going on, and it's like, this would have been better as a limited series, but if they did that, it would just be Legion, and Legion was executed so much better. I wouldn't recommend you watch this. If you do want to see a X-Men movie or an X-Men property that's similar and done a lot better, FX did the Legion series that ran for three seasons. That was so much better and so much more well done than this dumpster fire of a show. So yeah, uh, or, or movie, I'm sorry. So we'll wrap up there for today. Next week, we won't have an episode on Monday or on Wednesday. We will have one blanket episode on Thursday that covers an editorial and a um, the Flash episode five. And the Flash episode five, because I want to get, I want to do both parts of the crossover in one episode. So episode five of the Flash is going to be there. And then more mail if anyone else emails in, questions, anything. Again, the email is 30minutereviews at gmail.com. You can also use um, bitbit.ly slash BOS contact. Uh, bitbit.ly slash BOS contact. Um, we also have a deals page up and running on the website if you want to check that out, where it's just things that we are selling based on what we've talked about or things that I enjoy that you can get at a reasonable price. Um, so right now we have featured on there. The the quick link for that is bitbit.ly slash tmrdeals. Um, this week's deals that are going to be good until when uh, Sunday, August 1st, where I'm going to take them down on August 1st and put up new ones. The Flash, uh, the Flash Complete First Season, which we're currently talking about. If you want to pick up the Blu-ray, you can pick it up for $24.99. Clerks, the Blu-ray, great movie. $12.99 for the Blu-ray. Avengers Endgame, you can get on 4K Ultra HD for $17.99. And that, that's a great deal for a 4K Ultra HD movie that comes with the Blu-ray and the digital code for $17.99. And if you want to get the 4K Ultra HD Steelbook set, I love the art on these for Lord of the Rings, all three movies. And the thing is, too, these are the new extended editions, the new cut, the new cut extended editions that feature um, scenes that were not in even the Blu-ray extended editions. That's $199.99, but it's a great deal, and the art is fantastic on these. Um, so you can pick all of that up, bitbit.ly slash tmrdeals. We have, and we'll be updating it. I think I'm going to keep the Lord of the Rings one up after this, and probably the, the Flash, but the other two will swap out next week. So 
until the next episode, next Thursday. If any news comes, I'll still do an uh, impromptu news episode. But besides that, uh, until the next episode, have a great rest of your week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.